0: or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way the Faithway. They disappeared. went to another church. Not to. Oh, they're getting them ready? Okay, we'll wait, we'll wait. That's all right. Well, let me tell you what's going on as, as they get ready. So I have another confirmation that I didn't even tell Kathy because it happened um, Saturday night. No, I'm trying to, my, my days are all mixed up. This week has been some kind of week. Um, everybody got sick in the house, and of course I got it. There they are. Well, thank you. Well, if y'all come up here. I'll tell you what I was going to tell you later now. You can sit up here. You ready? We are waiting for you. Oh. <laughs> we're going to ask the, the the padrinos, Jorge and Karina Garza, also up here. And I know you guys just sat down, but go ahead and rise. This won't take long. Then Monica. You can stand there next to him. Somewhere. Okay, just make sure I pronounce it right. Okay. Jayani? All right, make sure I get the... Right. We're going to... So, you know, there, there's scriptures. Now, before I... Again, I don't want to get preachy on this, but I do have a testimony, you know, in my own life about why we do what we do. And there's a little scripture. I just want to read Psalm 127, 3 and 5. It says, children are a heritage from the Lord offspring, a reward from him, like arrows in the hand of a warrior. Parents, pay attention to this. Our children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponent's court. You know, one of the things that, if you've noticed the attack, I mean, just the craziness that we live in, right? But to me, the one that bothers me the more most is the, the craziness that's coming upon our children, right? So when I have these things, to me, it's very significant. And I always encourage people, you know, regardless of what your belief is, make sure you dedicate your children to God. You know, that—that that is what Jesus was dedicated at the temple. You know, if you're Catholic and you're, they get christened, you know, that's that's what they're doing. You know, we don't christen. We have our, our way of doing it. But at the end of the day, it's the same thing. You know, children should be dedicated. And, you know, in my life, you know, kids come and a lot of pressure comes. But I thank God today. You know, I look at my life and my family, and we went through our, just like a lot of people go, but today our whole family is serving God. Our kids are serving God. We got you know, five grandkids here and one on the way, so I am so blessed. And so I just can tell you enough, you know, invest, invest in your kids. And all the stuff that we do in this church, you know, from the from the classes, everything is about making deposits in these kids so when they grow up, they have a foundation and a set of values because I'm telling you guys, if you're not looking at the world, once they go here, whatever they got, they got it. And it will hold them through very difficult things or it won't mean anything. So I encourage you as parents, always keep, that God part, like they're doing as parents, to them it's important to come and say, you know what, we want our kids presented to God. They, you know, they get this. So once this happens, well, the continuance, right? Another scripture I want to share with the parents is, "It's train up a child in the way that he should go." And train it just simply means lead by example. It doesn't mean you know beat them down. I mean, I mean, we we do. You know, we're Mexicans. We discipline our kids, right? Whatever. But um, you know, train up as you lead by example. So these kids are always watching us. You know. We're just, so parents, you know, make sure you, you know, we're, nobody's perfect in this house, but, you know, we try to let our kids know, you know, that there's a scripture in the Bible that says one of the obligations of the church is to teach people between right and wrong. That's basically it. So this is what we do, what we do. So today I'm so blessed to be able to dedicate all these days. So I'm going to try to pronounce them right. So we're going to dedicate baby Jayone, Jayani and Jay, Jada Garza and the padrinos Jorge and Karina are here. So thank you guys. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these beautiful children, and we thank you, Father, for this opportunity as we stand before them and we lay hands on them, Father, that we believe with all our heart, Father, that there is an anointing delivered on them right now in the name of Jesus, from the top of their head to the soles of their feet, that no weapon formed against them will prosper, that, Father, sickness and disease will not be an issue in these children's lives, that, Father, we went through watching how this, even how this pregnancy developed. These, these children are blessed. These children are for this generation. And I just thank you, Father, as the parents stand here knowing the importance of this dedication. So, Father, as I bless them and I put my hands on them. I believe that the anointing of God, that these children will serve you every day of their life, that they will not have to go to the darkness that's out there, that they will not have to experience any of the difficult things that the world has thrown because they have parents that will set a foundation in their heart. And I call them blessed. I call them healthy and strong in every way in the name of Jesus. And, Father, as I pray... I pray for the parents, Father. Every child needs wisdom. Every child needs direction. Every child's unique in their personalities, Father. And as I pray for them, I bless them, and I believe that, Father, you are giving them wisdom, the words to nurture, to raise these kids, to do it properly. I pray for their marriage to be solid and strong, for these kids to always be very proud of their dad, very proud of their mom. And, Father, as we stand with the padrinos and the responsibility that they take, Father, as they sit, that this is not just a custom that father that they have a voice they have an influence in their life father that they will be aware that they are understanding this responsibility as i pray for them lord that they will keep a watchful eye to make sure that these kids have nothing missing or nothing broken in their lives and father i bless them and there will be abundance in their lives because of this of this thing so i thank you for them i bless this beautiful family and why not we're just going to pray for him too (laughs) thank you but for this beautiful beautiful young man father i call him blessed in Jesus' name, everybody said, yeah. amen. All right, let's give them a, I don't know if y'all want a picture up here before we take off. Or, okay. Let's get up here, let's take a picture. Y'all may be seated, we'll just take one, one quick picture. Ben, Monica. Kathy's over there. There's so many phones, you don't know which to look at, right? <laughs> no, no, we're just going to put the picture. I don't know which one. I'm just looking at Kathy's phone, Janice's phone, Laura's phone. <laughs> Got it. All right, praise God. All right, thank you guys. Let's give them another hand clap. God bless you guys. <clears throat> glory to Jesus. Well, glory to God. Like I said, um. Our house was interesting this week, you know the bug that 's been going around it seemed like it just kept jumping from person to person, but so if I sound a little mm. that 's what it is well i 'm going to start a new series, but um oh well, wow, I forgot what I was going to tell you as we were preparing for them so um, let's say Saturday i 'm in my days next week, so I guess Friday Friday I talked to to Dennis Burke, and we were able i hadn 't talked to him in a long time, and of course, you guys know Dr. Dennis Burke is a long, long, long long-time friend of this me, you know, ministry and personal friend, and and he's really a gift, and for those of you that don't know the name, um, you know, this guy's preached pretty much all all over the world, you know, he's preached with Joseph Prince, Hillsong, you know, and, but he, you know, he still called me because he loves Hebronville, so, you know, we have to consider these gifts, and of course, Elson Bennett, my brother, you know, and Quincy, Good Star from the Dakota Reservation up in North Dakota, and he's just a man of God. And I've known Quincy and Elson. Well, I've known Elson for, gosh, a long time. Quincy, I've known him for about 10 years or so. So anyhow, we, you know, we've been trying to get this meeting here with them. And, of course, they're both Native American, and they have just, a, just such a unique gift. And, you know, Quincy, God uses him a lot in the area of grace, and I think it's such a good message. You know, that's his, that release really where his calling is strong. So you, got, you guys can look, look him up, Quincy Good Star, you know, is on Facebook and also and of course, Elson Bennett. So we have a you know a pretty power-packed um, December coming up, and then in three weeks from now—well, two weeks from now—in other words, I'll be here next Sunday, and we take off to Cuba um, or New York, and then Cuba, and then we do a conference over there. So lots going on. So again, thank you guys for all your support, prayers, because anything we do, you know, we don't—I don't do it. We do it. Everything's everything I do. And if you've traveled with me or if you've been with me, I never say, oh, my ministry is always faith way, Faithway, way, because faith way, that's who we are. Amen? So we have a lot, a lot lined up. Praise God. And, of course, you know, Kathy already mentioned the junior high building, and there's been a lot of work involved. You know, I, I don't have a lot of time, but the little time I have, I try to, I gave a little bit of it. But, um, you know, we're getting there, so thank you, Yanis and everyone, all the men and everyone just, you know, giving a little time, a little time. We're getting that building ready, so... We're excited about that. And again, you know, the reason we do all these things, you know, the reason we, as we presented the babies, we dedicated and we really, really, really believe, you know, this is not something new. Since ministry started, the Lord spoke very clearly about the children's ministry. You know, it was not, it wasn't a side dish. It wasn't like, oh, put the kids in the room so us adults can learn. You know, it was never like that. It was just as important. Children's ministry has always been just as important as, as anything we do. So, again, thank you guys for doing that. And then also... What happens when we expand? Well, we need other, we need more help. So, right? So, you know, here's the thing, and I don't, I want to get to the word, but I, I, I do have to spend some time on this. A lot of people, you know, we're wired that way, and and don't feel bad because that's the way humans are wired. That's our nature. It's what, what's in it for me? That's fine. You know, a lot of times we, don't. well, what's in it for me? If you invest in other kids, according to Bible law, not according to Pastor box according to Bible law, whatever a man soweth, finish it, that he shall reap. So if I'm taking time to invest in somebody else's child, my time, from nursery, you know, to super kids, jam club, so forth, guess what happens? God's watching that, and he's, and he's, he's, he's got a harvest for your kids. Say amen. And that harvest might mean those kids don't go off the deep end. Those, those kids don't end up on a, you know, on a crazy list or somewhere, you know. So you never know how all the dynamics work. But I know that I believe firmly, firmly in this idea. And that's not why we do it. We do it because we love people. Say amen. We do it because, you know, God loved us and we believe if we can help some of these kids along their journey, that's what we do. So I encourage you, you know, pray about it. Um, don't pray about it too long because we're going to open it real quick. Or maybe, don't you know, you don't have to pray about it. Maybe say, well, I'll try it. Okay, I'll take that. Will we take that, Yanni's? Well, you, maybe you'll only go once. And you're like, hey, that's not for me, man. That's fine. But, you know, just give it a shot because once you put your life Basically, you know, kind of like instead of love on the line, life on the line. And you start investing in other people. So it's just amazing how all your dynamics in your life just, just you know, revolve around that. Anyhow, let's get into the work. So I'm starting this series. And again, I'm not sure it's it's how it's going to pan out if it's a couple. And it's really, it's still connected. So when you say, I start. It seems like we finished. And we really didn't finish, finish. But we're going to move in. So this kind of launched into was talking about strong and courageous for the last few weeks, and all the things that we built around that. And, and you know, God's spoken to me about that also. And then the other day, I was um, thinking about. Well, let me let me get, read one of my notes, and this will introduce the series. So I believe, you know I was, I'm thinking why people disconnect from Christianity, including you know, including myself. You know, there's things that, and I'll be honest with you, there's things not disconnected from Jesus, but there's things that Christianity that. You know, years ago seemed like, oh, that's, and, and then you find out that that's not really exactly what God wants, right? That maybe we have a human version of something, and you want to really pursue that. At least it's me. This is not about what church you go to, what religion. That's that is so inferior to what God cares. You know, people get hung up. Well, I'm a Catholic. I'm a Christian. Really, when you get to heaven, you think they're going to separate you by denomination. All the Catholics over there, no, and that's not going to. I mean, you know who's going to be in heaven? Believers. That's it. You know. Um, you, and you might be surprised who's in heaven with you. You might be surprised you made it to heaven. You know, you're like, whoa, I actually made it? <laughs> okay. So, you know, we don't know all everything about grace, so let's not even go there. All we know is that, you know, this, you know, these dynamics of, of Christianity, if we're not careful, we add a lot of man stuff. Every religion does it, including this one, you know. If we're not careful, you know, we just keep adding man ideas. And again, you know, men are imperfect and, and God gave us a book and said, here, imperfect humans, figure this out. And boy, have we made a mess. But at the end, there's still a core that is good, which is basically God loves you. Right. And so if you erase all the other stuff that, you know, religion comes, you have to come to that. Who is God? What did he do for me? Is even real? Right. Come on, let's ask some questions. So. The next thing, and what I was pondering, I said, so I'll just read my notes. I believe one of the reasons that people are not connecting more to Christianity, because you really think, you know, Christianity is what a, if you really think the, how can I put it, the essence of what Jesus preached. I mean, if we could actually, I've been tempted to do this, but it's so, it would just, I mean, if God shows me how to do it, to do like a whole series just completely based on red letters, meaning only words that Jesus said, you know, nothing else. See, You know, let's, let's see what the gospel looks like. From the root. You know, thank God for Paul. Thank God for the revelation. That's all Holy Spirit. I get that. But let's go back to the basics, you know. And you find out that the stuff that Jesus preached was really simple. You know, it wasn't complicated. But it was all around this idea of love. And it was also around of this idea that we're here, that we're supposed to be here for each other. Y'all forget the first commandment? The only commandment? That Jesus say, love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And then what did he say about that? Love your neighbor. And then he added one. That's another series for another time. Love yourself. You've know, you got to take care of yourself, too. So the basis was this idea of love. So, so I came and said, so why aren't Christians, you would think people would flock, you know, say, hey, man, you know, this is amazing, because that world out there is dirty, it's dark, it's cold, it's brutal, it's backstabbing. Come on. I mean, some of you, some of those people you call friends in your workplace, they will backstab you as quick just to, to get the next job over you. They're your buddies' buddies till they, they have a step up and they'll step right. You know, you guys live there, you know. So that world is really harsh. So you want to make sure that, you know, whatever Jesus offered wasn't that. And what is sad is a lot of times church did become toxic. You say amen? And I'm talking, I'm talking church global, you know, whatever name you want to put on it. And we could track this through history and church. It's the the ch- Christian church did some atrocities, you know, and, and, and we could break all this down. Is that Jesus' fault? Just answer it. No. Because he didn't create that. Men created that. So we have to come back to some of these ideas. So my question was, and so, you know, in my, I guess, inner conversations, this is what I write. So I believe one of the reasons people don't connect more to Christianity is that it's difficult for them to see how that applies to the real world. You know, we, get all, you know, we can get really spiritual and speak some really cool, you know, not cool stuff, just Bible stuff. But at the end of the day, when you go out there, if what you learn here doesn't, transfer you're going to get bored with this or not bored you'll get religion you could come the all the rest of your life you could come to church but you'd have religion you'd be sitting here in church and thinking about oh, i gotta go pay my bills is he done yet i mean you wouldn't hear a word i said that's religion so you got to be careful because you know you can continue in church but there's still no real life application can somebody say amen don't you struggle with this like how can you know, when, uh, you know, God is good, but then you go out in the real world, and things are broken. And I'm not talking in the world, in your life. And things are broken in your family, and things are broken in your family, I mean, and, and you're thinking, okay, God is good, how come he's not good over here right now? So those questions come, and the devil will play those questions, and he'll replay them, and replay them, and replay them, and replay them. So pretty soon you get disgusted with this whole thing. You might not use the word disgusted, but you're like, I don't know if I can do this again. But then you have condemnation, so oh, I think I better go to church, because not, I go to hell. So here we are, right? Vicious circle. You're not, you're not growing. There is no real life application. You're not, you, didn't, you didn't really leave the church, but you're just here because you don't want to go to hell. And life goes on. And the creator of universe, the one that breathes galaxies, can't seem to pay the light bill. Se acabaron los amenes, los aleluyas, se acabó todo. That's fine. Because we have to have a transfer into real life. Jesus was about real life. You know, one of the things that amazes me about Jesus, well, I'm going to, might sip on some religious toes. That's okay. I have a tendency to do that. First miracle ever recorded. First miracle. You would think he raised somebody from the dead. You think he raised, you know, healed leprosy, he cast out 5,000 demons out of, you know, legion of demons out of one person. You would think that would be very spiritual. Are you here? His first miracle was just to keep people happy for another couple hours. Think about that. His first miracle was just to keep people happy for another couple hours. No, there was no purpose. We don't need to preach that even. There has to be some dip. No. Actually, he didn't really want to do it, but Mama said. And, you know, Jewish are kind of like Mexicans. He said, Mama, it's not my time. You know, you know she just kind of looked at the chancla like, really. <laughs> and he just made a miracle to make people happy. Now is God about just no, no, I don't I know I've heard somebody say, Oh, God oh, God wants you happy. No, God doesn't want you happy, God wants you saved. <laughs> now, happiness is no nothing wrong, but you know, his first miracle was about life. His first miracle was about a real situation where people All of a sudden, this celebration was going to stop because they ran out of wine. And for all you very religious Christians, it wasn't Welch's grape juice, okay? I'll just leave it there, alright? Just get over that. Nobody gets happy drinking grape juice, alright? Why why, why do I get myself into these things? Okay, my point is, the miracle had no purpose spiritually. That's the only point. The, The whole miracle... Was placed in a life situation that we experience every day. Now, in this case, it was a party, but there's all kinds of things that we experience. So now I'm here at this place where I want to let me finish my reading. You know, how does this thing deal with real life? How does it relate to the word? And are, can we find some examples that we can take into this, you know, into the complicated mess that we live? So, as you see, that's not a word, don't look it up. That's just a weird word I made up. I was going to put dot-ing just to make it cool. But I'm going to have this serious experience called life-ing. And what does that mean? Well, how do you live this life? Now, <laughs> I'm 56. Now, I'm not, you know, I don't feel old, old, old. But I'm older than a lot of you. I'm older than your millennials. I'm, I'm from the coolest generation that ever existed. Okay, so let's settle that. We are age. The, the extra, they don't make them like us anymore. Your millennials can't go through this stuff. Stuff that we go through. You know, we drank out of hoses and we slept you know, back of cars and seat belts. What was that? Car seats? Are you kidding me? So, you know, if you didn't survive the X generation, is because you weren't supposed to, you know? But then you move into, you know, the millennials and, and, and then, you know, all the other ones that come. And I know it's, it's dumb because nobody fits into that. You know, people are, are, are you know, I'm just playing with you. But, you know, you come into this kind of further on because at least my generation, or I'm going to relate to my generation we didn't have, I mean, I don't know, I didn't grow up in America, so my, I can't really relate to growing up here, and you probably can't relate to how I grew up either, because I grew up in Central Mexico, but I kind of I raised myself. Anybody? John Turner, nobody? Nobody raised themselves? I mean, it was like, you're out there and just show up, you know? <laughs> you know? And I fell off roofs and I broke things. I got in a lot of trouble all the time. And... You know, there was really no order. You know, my parents, i God bless them, they were both college professors, but they were never around. So it was like, do whatever you want to figure this thing out. You know, nowadays we have, like, all these things. I remember our birthday parties were like, you got a cupcake? Come on. And a candle? And a comic book. If, and that's if you were good. And yesterday we went to this amazing cell. I enjoyed it. through It So it was my granddaughter's birthday. Boy, you guys go all out. I mean, there was mariachis. And I was like. Yeah, my, you know, my, my birthdays. you know, you were just blessed if they remembered it. So, as, you know, as you're navigating through life, you know, I come from a different perspective than most of you. Because, and again, it's not, nothing wrong with this, but, you know, you've got to be careful because we, we do have, like, this entitlement mentality. And some of these kids nowadays, they, they believe they deserve everything. Say amen. Parents. Yeah, well. Y'all don't, don't want to hear this message because we're going to talk about life issues. Includes parenting. Includes finances. Uh, I'm not going to that series because I got it all together. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Okay, we'll just leave it at that. If, I don't have it together, so um, I, I got to learn. So, let's go to one scripture. John 16:33. Let's get into it. I'm just going to introduce it today because, like I said, we've got a lot of preliminaries and everything. This is a scripture that I don't like. It's in the Bible, but it's there. But it's so rich, and it has so much in there that actually it is good. If you really start picking through it. So, Jesus basically is saying Goodbye. Let me tell you where this scripture happens, because you've got to bring it in context. And he's telling them that they're going to go through some stuff, and he's, t- he's talking specifically to the twelve at this point, okay? He's not talking to the, to the church. So some people say, well, he, well, yeah, I mean, you could, if you really wanted to push it, you could say end times, references, okay, I'll give you that one. But specifically, he was talking to them. He said, guys, I'm going to go, and this, you know, chapter 16, chapter 17 of John, he's just, you know, praying to God, getting ready, all this. And, then he, and so he tells them that all this stuff is going to happen to you. And he basically tells you, you're going to be scattered. People are not going to like you. You're going to go through this. You're going to go through that. And then he kind of summarizes, I have told you these things so that you have peace. So <laughs> like, dude, um, you should have told me I won a million bucks. That might have helped me get some peace. But you're going to tell me I'm going to go through some hell? You're going to tell me I'm going to be scattered? You're going to tell me I'm going to be broken? And now you tell me, you tell me this thing so I can have peace? Okay, so tell me what this peace is. Well, the peace that you're going, I'm going to give you, says Jesus, is you're going to have trouble. Really? At this point, I'm like, I'm done with the Jesus thing, okay? Because none of this makes sense. You tell me I'm going to go through trouble. Then you tell me I'm going to have peace. Then you tell me how am I going to get the peace through more trouble. Y'all don't want to hear this, right? But you know what this is? That's real life. That's exactly what real life is. So in this world, you will have trouble. But then he gives me this the phenomenal statement that we're going to work on for a couple of weeks. But take heart every different translation, but don't be afraid, be encouraged, one translation says, just be encouraged, uh, I believe it's a passion translation, says be encouraged, maybe, maybe I got it wrong, but I read one of them, I have overcome the world, so he kind of settles it, so, you know, if, you're, if you understand how the English language is constructed, the word but, now this wasn't written in English, but for our sake, the word but kind of eliminates the previous statement, in other words, You know, if somebody tells you, I love you, but just scratch all that. I mean, even if they build it up, like, you know how awesome you are. I just think highly of you. You're just such an amazing person. But all that is gone. All right? So, but the fact is, Jesus said something that is very real. And here's, I think, Where we're not careful, even when I say our camp, you know, I love my camp, word people. We're word people. It's not a denomination. It's not a religion. I grew up Baptist. That's a denomination. Some of you grew up Catholic. That's a denomination. Or Methodist or Assembly, what have you. Word people just love the word. But if we're not careful, we create this, I think it's kind of a false narrative that says, if you just get in the word, you'll never have any problems. Whoa, whoa. Now, that, that, that doesn't really come out straight up like that, but, but the more you, you know, as, as you're moving, as you're moving in this thing, some people could say, well, if I just spend enough hours in the Word, I will isolate myself somehow from the anguish of the world. Well, if that's the case, then this is not true. Now, what does, what I'll tell you something that's amazing, and if you're new to this, or if you're... Experimenting, or if you're just curious, or if you're just seeking, talking to those online also, I would, I, I, I give this challenge to a lot of people. I challenge you to give God one year. Years go by super fast. I mean, this year has gone like insane fast. Right? Say, like, whoa, we were like in January just a while ago, right? Just give you, you know, but I mean like give Him the year. Don't say, okay, I'm going to give Him a year. No, like dedicate. I'm not saying you don't have to get, try to clean up your life. Guess what? That's not even your job. That's God's job. As you see God, your life gets cleaned up. Religion has it backwards, right? Religion says, clean your life up, then worship. No. God says, come, worship, then I'll clean your life up, okay? But what I'm saying is, as you're going into the give God that year, come to church as much as you can. I'm not saying here, be every Sunday if you can. Praise God. You know, pray, you know, do do things in your life that, that, how can I say, promote a spiritual lifestyle? And, I, and the people that I put this challenge... Guys, I've been doing this for 28 years. So I've been doing this longer than some of you in their lives. So I'm talking ministry. I, the people that I've seen put this challenge, that actually took it seriously, a lot of them would come back, you know, they were like in a mess. I say, take a challenge. Three months in, they wouldn't even remember the challenge. Because things shifted so amazing. in them. Now, that doesn't mean their life got perfect. That doesn't mean everything got repaired. That means that some... There's this dynamic added to their lives that gave him the right perspective to go through the challenges. Are you still here? Because if you don't have God, you'll never have that perspective. If it wasn't for God, the stuff that I've gone through in the last, you know, whatever in my life, especially in the last few years, I don't know if I'd even, you know, I don't know where I'd be. i would be honest with you. I really don't know where I'd be if it wasn't for God. But, you know, life still comes with the challenges, so what do we do? Do we just divorce God? No. He adds the information He adds the courage, and by His Spirit, He keeps feeding stuff into our mind and into our spirit that we get to a point where you say, you know what? I will not fold. Yes, I'm having tribulations, but God just gave me heart. Come on. that word heart is courage. God, you know, I didn't have this. I don't want to deal with this. How many have said that this week? I've said it like 14 times. (laughs) I'm just honest with you. Sometimes I'll just say, I can't do this anymore. You know, what is it? None yet, all right? That's my business. As long as it's not pastoring, you guys are fine. Some are like, uh, I'll get that one later. I have told you these things. What? You're going to go through some stuff. I have told you you're going to go through some stuff, but you're going to have peace through it. Well, how is this going to work, Jesus? Why overcome the world? Well, I was, you know, King James says tribulations. And that's like, whoa, big word, right? Tribulations. So I got to thinking about it because, you know, we don't spend enough time on this scripture to break down what he means in this life. Because, you know, King James is in this life. That's where I got the the title for the series. Lifing. So give me the next slide. I'm going to show you what I came up with. In this life, you will have (laughs) family. Tribulation. Parents. That's who messed you up. Marriage should have picked better. Children, can I give them back? You see where this is going? In this, because sometimes tribulation is like, oh, I'm going to get dealt a really hard thing. No, let's break down what is life made up of. What in this life you will have? All this stuff. You're going to have sickness. You're going to have betrayals. You're going to have fear. You're going to have strife. There's going to be divorce. There's going to be discouragement. There's going to be lag. But hey, don't fear. Now, do you see how that's applicable? So that's my job, you know, it's, it, and not just my job, but I'm looking for this. In this life, you will have, because we just summarize it like this, you know, we preach it really fast. In this life, you'll have tribulation. Let's go to the next scripture. <laughs> no. What does he mean? In this life, you're going to wake up tomorrow morning in the real world, not in the spiritual atmosphere. You might have to go work with a boss you can't stand. You know, your wife might not be, no estar de buenas mañana, and all that. And pretty soon... Your day started from, oh, Sunday was so awesome, to, oh, what the hell's going on? You know, it's all, you know, and you transformed. But here's the thing in this life, you're going to go through all this. Now, this is not all bad, you you know. One of the greatest joys in my life, you know, some of you are like, boy, I don't have that. The greatest joy in my life, I'll tell you what, is my family. We're living in a season where I just, you know, my grandkids adore me. They're all my little best friends. I'm telling you, every one of them is my little best friend. So, the, you know, it has a lot of positive stuff. But then again, you know, how many have gone through family issues that were difficult? How many have gone through a situation where a family member, you know, let me help you guys. You don't get to pick your family. They just, oh, you got the same last name, same DNA. Well, oh, that sucks. But, you know, they're still your family. And some of you are like, no, yes, they're say your family. You know, because people that are ugly to you, you can just kind of walk away. You can't walk away from your family, and and, and if you're Latino or Hispanic, whoever you want to call us, <laughs> you're never walking away. You know, white people are like real cool. You know, you get married, they move to like Alaska, and you never see them again. Mexicans, you move, they all move with you. You know, everybody goes. <laughs> They're not going to let you alone. So, you know, so we're going to. Uh, this is not. Today's an introduction, but, you know, as I'm going to pray, because this would take forever to, to, like, do one sermon on every point. But, you know, the the Bible talks about every one of these situations. This is, like, the simplest sermon I could preach this year. I could just finish right now. We could go home somebody, like, yes, 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 yes. No, it's not going to happen. I got way too much in me to just let you go that easy. But, you know, in this life, I need to know how to manage my family. If you agree with any of these statements... Just to humor me, say, man, I need to know how to manage my family. Nobody gave me a family manual. I said this last Sunday. I said, oh, these, these messages are connected. You know, when you go get a driver's license, you've got to go through, read a book, take a test, yeah, yeah that whole thing. But when you get a marriage license, you just get a marriage license. Come back a couple hours, you know, come back 48 hours, whatever. That's in case you repent. That's really what it is. Like, oh, we're going to get married. And two days later, I hate you. Okay, don't. Marriage license, don't get it. But other than that, they don't teach you about marriage. You get married, And the only example you got about marriage, guess where it came from? Your parents. So if they were awesome parents, well, then you got a good foundation. But if they were dysfunctional like you or me or anybody else, y'all don't like when I get personal, right? Because come on, let's be honest. Who's a perfect parent? If you raise your hand, I'm leaving Laura, you want to finish the message? <laughs> that guy's bold, man. No, I don't know how to family. Nobody taught me. And besides, I started really early. Not not earlier than some of you guys start, but early. My son was born when I was 21, so that's pretty early. You know, one day, you know, and, and, and I guess things were, like, different. Because, you know, I didn't meet my son until he was three days old. I, they didn't let him. I was working up in the mountains. and Just long stories. I'm going to take you a bit. You know, when they gave me my son, it was like, when they gave Maurice in my hands, I re- the very first thought, because my parents were there, and Monaco was still there. You know, it was three days later. I didn't meet him until three days later. I was on the other side of the country, in Mexico, and whatever. And everyone's in the room, and I'm there, and I'm like so excited to see my son, and, and I hold it. And it wasn't, oh my gosh, it was, oh crap, all the stuff I did to my parents. I, that is the honest truth. That was the honest truth. My parents were standing there, and I'm thinking, oh, my God. All the stuff I did to my parents. (laughs) Did anybody have that rude awakening? And so now you're walking into it. Nobody told me how to be a dad. Nobody told me how to be a husband. So I just figured out, and I made a lot of mistakes. And, and it, it's a miracle of God that we didn't get divorced. I'm serious. Are married yet? Oh, Patrick, marriage was all. Oh, are you serious? There was serious, 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 serious seasons. Y'all look me so judgmental. I know y'all. I counsel some of y'all. Don't be looking at me. No, this is real life. This is real life. So you know, as you go down the list, I don't want to spend my time. But you know, then you got you know your parenting, or. Whatever, you, whatever dysfunctionality your parents handed you, now you've got to deal with it. And again, my hat's off to single moms, or my hat's off to single dads, because that's a really, really complicated job. Really complicated job. But, you know, we're just navigating through this life with really, my, my whole point, and I'm spending too much time on this, my whole point of this one is that we really, really, we really don't know what we're doing. All we have are examples. But here's the key. This amazing book. In its simplicity, not in its deepness of spiritual truth, in the simplicity of real life. It told you how to treat your wife. It told you how to treat your husband. It told you how to treat your kids. And guess what? It told the kids how to treat their parents. Amen. It's here. And it's not fifteen chapters. It usually boils down to a handful of scripture. So, you know, this is this is where we are. You know, when we talk about how does this translate into reality because you know, we're word people, yes, word people have to go in the word and figure out how to navigate in that dirty little world that we live in. Because instructions are here. i got one better for you. It tells you what to eat. Nah, you don't want to go there, right? It did not miss a thing. It tells you what to do with your finances. Oh, we're in church, Pastor. Nope, nope, yep, yep, yep. Whoa, 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 whoa. It tells you how not to be broke. It tells you how to save money. I need a financial advisor. Yeah, start with Solomon. How about that guy? Richest man in the world. I think you should listen to him. I mean, there's not one. I, I, you know, I, I go through life issues, and even the things that we've navigated that were difficult in our family or in our resources, it was in here. And all I had to do, and it wasn't about, oh, it's a faith thing. No, it was a follow-up. This was not a faith. The things that I have found out about this, it is not a whole lot of faith in that. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Faith is to say, you know, the word said, I believe something I can't see. But when it said how to treat your wife, there, there's no faith in there. See what I'm saying? It's not, it's not like you, well, I don't believe that. I'll wait till I have some faith and I'll treat you right. Oh, shut up, okay? You know, you spiritual people, you guys use the word at all in your little convenience. We know how it works. No, it says... Honor. It says respect. You don't need faith for that. You just need to know what the word honor and the word respect mean. So, again, I, don't, I need to move on. So as, as this list goes on, the Bible talks about sickness. And it talks about the expectations of a believer. Does God heal? Well, that's it. Yeah, he heals. But as we're going through sickness and disease, we have to have information that keeps us believing that. Because the fact of the matter is, a lot of Christians die in sickness and disease. That's the truth. Can I say? Can you hear an Amen. A lot of people get sick; they die. Were they in sin? Were they ugly? Did they not have enough faith? I don't. I don't. I don't subscribe to those ideas. I've heard some really toxic stuff in church. Are you sick? You don't have enough faith. If anybody ever tells you that, I got a scripture for him. He, he who is weak in faith, receive him. You know what that scripture means? It says, he who is weak in faith, give him some of yours. Big faith giant. So if somebody dares to come up and say, well, I don't think you have enough faith. Oh, you know, know, you're probably right. I don't have enough faith. Why don't you give me some? Why don't you lay your bony little fingers on my forehead and heal my body? Jesus, or whatever. You know, that that is garbage. That is toxic. And that's not what the Bible says. Because the Bible says, in this life, you will go through sickness. And does that make you not spiritual because spirituality has nothing to do with your flesh it has to do with your spirit oh that's deep spirituality has to do with your spirit now as you grow your spirit things transfer into your soul we learned that for three weeks and they transfer into your body you know before jesus i lived a very very reckless lifestyle and i was very very sick this is not spiritual you know, when you drink all day and smoke all day and smoke stuff, you're not even supposed to, be, and, you know, put stuff up in your nose, all the whole thing, you're going to be sick. Question, do you need a supernatural healing? Maybe to break the addiction, but you don't need a supernatural healing to get rid of that sickness. All you get, to get rid of that sickness, you've got to get rid of the garbage. No, I just want Jesus to heal me. <laughs> I mean, it would be kind of weird to say can jesus heal lung cancer but you don't want to quit smoking you see my point i mean there's a lot of things that we want to spiritualize but jesus said there's no need to spiritualize it because the instructions are here and they're not faith scriptures and i want to move a mountain scriptures, they're just simply one two three in other words if you do one you get the benefit of what you did amen So, you know, so we have to address some of these ideas in the area of sickness because, you know, we can go down the list. You know, most of us have experienced some form of betrayal or backstabbing, hurt, offense. What does the Bible say about that? There's people that go to their grave because of offense. There's people that take offense to their grave. I mean, offense that happened 30 years ago and they can never have joy in their life anymore because somebody hurt them so bad 30 years ago that they just built this statue of this gigantic statue inside of them of offense and there's no way it'll ever be destroyed and their whole life is depressed and sad and miserable well the bible talks about that you know one of the greatest things that because you know it, 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 i don't know just people are wired you know but one of the greatest things at least in my life and i'm not 100 but i'm so much better than i used to be was the ability to get rid of offense you know because i you know on my, on my mom's side we are they're, they're very calm you know my mom was very calm and my mom you would never see her yell or scream or anything on my dad's side he was you know i guess the other side right angry not angry but he was loud so my sister's kind of wired like my, they would blow up and yell at each other and they'd be fine like two minutes later Do you know anybody like that I can't stand that. I'm like, dude, no, no, this is going to go for days. <laughs> you think you're going to get out of this that week? No. My mom was the same way. She'd just get really quiet and she wouldn't talk for my dad for a week. It was <laughs> whatever. Well, that's a, I got that, those you know, genes or whatever from my mom, so when somebody heard me, boy, it would just sit there and simmer. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Simmer, just simmering in there for days and weeks, and it just simmers and then it cooks and it grows. And, and, and the more, you know, that's called root of bitterness. Bible talks about the root of difference. See, there's not one thing I'm saying that, that this book did not address. And to me, that's been one of the, I mean, there's, there's these landmarks in my life, but, but being able to get rid of that in my life was one of the great things, because to me, and, and, you know, my kids still tell me, and they're right, I receive wisdom from it. One of them told me the other day, he said, Dad, you take everything too personal. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Help me not to take everything too personal. But I used to take everything too personal times 10,000. Now I just take things personally. <laughs> well, God gave us the ability to forgive. I don't know how you can do that without the Spirit of God. That's one that I just know how you can do it. So, it's there. You know, so things like be true. How about fear? 365 times in this beautiful book, there's one little phrase that says, do fear. I wonder why it's there 365 times. You figure it out. So it talks about that. know, we, we preach a lot about what fear is, so we're not, I'm not going to spend all the time. You know, and you go down the list, you know, strife, that's that's one we are going to do a whole message on because that is the number one killer of families. You hear amen? Strife on every level. Strife with the kids, strife with the husband, strife with the mom, strife with everybody, strife. But we have to find out, what, do, what did the Bible say about strife? Well, to start, it says there's every evil work. If you want to take the... <laughs> The word evil out, just put the word devil, I mean, the same thing. Where there is strife, there's every devil that loves to work. So that, that right there sets me up again. You're talking about lifing, that I'm on a responsibility to, to identify strife and try to not cause it and try to not grow it. Well, that is a hard one because strife is a very sneaky spirit. Come on, say amen. You know, I'm just hitting this. I'm just hitting this. We're not preaching any of them. Did some of you understand, you know, think about the last big fight you had with your husband or your wife. Can you even remember how it started? No, you, you can remember how it ended. And if you're a guy, you probably lost, okay? But, I mean, there's people that are, i would going to get a divorce. I'm going to my mom's house. Yeah, that should help. And then you go back, whoa, we're going to get a divorce. You're leaving me. Oh. Well, how did it start? you getting that rewind button, rewind button. Oh, it started because you didn't pick up your underwear. Oh, that, that, that's a cause for divorce. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Put, tell the judge that one. Judge, how come you're getting divorced? He didn't pick up his underwear, judge. All right. You get half of it. So, strife. That, to me, and boy, you talk about a spirit that this family fought. And continue. No, it's not as bad as it used to be. but boy, we fought that thing tooth and nail for years, and we caused it. So we're fighting ourselves, right? But it was on our family. I'm talking ministerially speaking, you know, pastoring a church, and, and boy, we have some of the biggest, best drag out fights you've ever seen. But you know, guess what? We got that thing under control. I didn't think we could ever get it under control. Then my wife and I were talking about it the other day. He says, "Do you realize that we don't that we haven't had a fight in our family? I'm talking kids, parents, parents, and." Gosh, I can't even remember when we had any. And before it was like, if we didn't have five a week, we weren't we weren't really doing good. You went, what do you mean you only argued three times? Well, let's start one right now. I mean, we're we're behind. It was crazy stuff. You know, when you got a house full of leaders and nobody wants to, everybody just wants to lead, right? That's the problem. So you have these things, you know. And let's you know, we could talk about discouragement. We don't even want to hit that one right now, right? But we've all gone through some form of discouragement. Well, the Bible's. We did a whole series, right? Be strong and courageous. You know, we talk about lack. Again, things that we experience. You know, some of you might not have ever had any lack, but I've experienced it here and there. You know, in Mexico and other times where, you know, really there wasn't no food to me. I mean, I was working, but the money didn't go anywhere. I mean, it was really bad. So, you know, you had to go through some of these things. But at the end, our dear Jesus said, but don't fear. I've taken care of all of them. Give him a hand clap. Come on, because he thinks every one of those... You're like, okay, Pastor, I'm good. I'm good to go. No, you're, yeah, we got the information, but we still don't know what to do with it. Right? So I'm just going to give you some scriptures. Like I said, I wanted to introduce this series. I really don't know which ones I'm going to pick. I know, like specifically, there are some points that I think we need to to talk about because it really is going to help you. It really is going to transfer into every day. Because if you leave this building and you take a truth, I'm not saying, you know, and this week you didn't have a fight with your husband and there was peace in your home. Guess what? It worked. But if you hear the answers to that, and you just go like, whatever, and before you even get out of the parking lot, you're already punching him. Come on. You know? So let, let's, give me, let's go into some. Give me the next one. That's the introduction. Let's, let's, let's go through some of these things. So Proverbs twenty-one, twenty-one. the great Solomon. And this guy, I don't want to say he's my hero because he ended up pretty bad. But if there is, if there is a series of books about real life, I'm going to tell you which ones they are. Proverbs. Ecclesiastes. And if you want to talk about real relationships and how you're supposed to treat a woman and all that, Songs of Solomon. And he wrote about real life. And at the end of his life, he was very disgusted with how his life turned out, even though he was the wealthiest man that had ever lived. How about that one? He just hated his life. At the end, of, and you know, he had a thousand concubines. Well, that's the reason he hated his life, right? I mean, this guy was very wise. But he was very so in his wisdom. I picked a few things, and not just his through the Bible, Book of Psalms also. I picked a few of them, and we're going to hit those this morning, as it, as the clock permits. And boy, the clock's already gone. There you go. Okay, Proverbs twenty-one, twenty-one. We're going to shotgun these. Whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. All right, let's let's back it up. Whoever—that's you, that's me—is it conditional? Say yes. You guys are hard. I guess you guys aren't going to agree, say anything I say today. Okay, that's fine. Righteousness. What does that, that's a big old English word? How hard is that word? No, I'll break it down for you. It just means to be right with God. And if you're right with God, you're going to be right with people. Well, not just, I mean people, not but I mean, if you're right with God, you're where you need to be. So righteousness is saying, "Okay, Lord, I'm going to." You know, I've, I've tried my life, me being God. Now I'm going to try my life, you being God. That's basically what righteousness is. Because we all tried being God. Don't say it like that. Well, I got this, I got to figure out, I'm going to get my degree, I'm going to get my career. And then you got all that and it didn't work out. That's why you're here this morning. No, just kidding. Nah, that's why I'm here this morning. Yes, that's why I'm here. But he says, whoever pursues, this is a really simple statement. Whoever pursues righteousness it has nothing to do with Big faith giant, go to church every Sunday, go to prayer every prayer. He says, whoever pursues a life, a life, not a church morning, not a Sunday morning, a lifestyle, out there. And, don't forget the big one, because this whole thing is wrapped around that little word, love. And, say it, love. So you got, I'm going to pursue God, but I'm going to pursue his love also. Agape. Not just God loves me, but how can I transfer that unconditional love into my real life where people don't get under my skin anymore? That's what we're talking about. In other words, the agape love, it doesn't matter if somebody... I'm not there yet, guys, so pray for me. If somebody cusses you out, you should be saying, God bless you. I'm at a place where if somebody cussed me out, I would beat them up, then I would pray for their healing. Because I'm a man of God, all right? Whoever pursues righteousness and love. You see, the world sold you this idea backwards. And we took it. But because that's, you know, that's, you know, go to school, get a degree, make a lot of money. And then die and give it to your kids. We, you know, the world says, whoever pursues prosperity will find love. Have you heard that same, that's how the, the world sells you. If you got enough money, you got it all. You got all, you know, you got everything you want if you have prosperity. Uh. Uh-uh. It goes the other way. You find righteousness first. You find love first, and if you begin to get your rhythm in those two things, these things come by default. In other words, our obligation, and here's the thing, because in our message, and I say I'm not, I'm, I, I preach prosperity in the poorest nations of the world. Well, maybe not the poorest. Nations. I've never been to Haiti or some of the African nations, but I, I preach prosperity in very poor nations. Cuba being one of them. I preached in some of the darkest places in Mexico, and you take you, God can get you out of this. That is the truth. But you got to be careful and not go overboard and say if I don't have 10, 3, three, four cars, big houses, then. I'm not walking it no that's that's not that's nonsense. And the world tells you seek prosperity, seek honor. They don't call it honor, they call it important. Be important. Have stuff. And then your life will be good. Really? Well, I see a lot of rich people very unhappy. Right? They're just as unhappy as a broke one. So apparently money doesn't create happiness. I heard one somebody say Money doesn't make happiness. It just makes you makes you comfortable when you're real miserable. But, you know, you can be miserable in the dump or you can be miserable in the mansion. You're still miserable. Amen? He says very simply, who pursues righteousness and love finds life. That's what we're talking about. What is our real life out there? Is my real life about building my kingdom or is my real life about building his kingdom and not just building his kingdom to, oh, we got a big church, Building his kingdom in my heart, to the point where people are affected without me having to say I'm a believer. Does that make sense? I mean, anybody you rub on, anybody you you know you encounter from you know the person at stripes that tends to you, or the banker, or the Walmart. Any interaction you have, this should be natural, right? That they don't. That you don't have to wear I, I, I love Jesus t shirts those people will come and say, What's, how come you're different? How come you're like this? Oh, now you have an opportunity to share, right? But, it, but you have found something that is worth more than money. Or worth more than whatever you call So he says, whoever pursues. So I'm going to get, you know, this is my instructions. Or, like I said, or, let me see what or where on the on my clock. Okay. Whoever pursues righteousness and love, he will find life. And life doesn't, you know what I'm talking, life worth living. You can have life, but it might not be worth living. Okay, give me the next one. So we have that one, and I'm, and I'm going to show you how they all flow together here in a moment. So in the first one, don't, don't go back, Archivism. The first one says, remember this, if you take a note, just put pursue righteousness. I mean, you can put love if you want. Okay, Hebrews 2, 12, 14. I 14. Again, I love this scripture because the, the, the Hebrew words are so rich in the translations. And again, I don't want to spend too much time, but it says, Strive for peace with how many people? Thank you. This side's reading. Oh, let's go preach to this side. <coughs> you see, we get stuck on the second one, and because we get stuck on the second one, we kind of forget the first one. But the idea of holiness—let me help you with holiness. You know, you, that is so, from a religious standpoint, it's so unattainable. I'm going to set you free this morning. You are never going to be like Jesus till you get there. There's no version of you being like Jesus because you weren't conceived by the Holy Ghost. So quit fighting it. Is that a ticket to be stupid? No. That just means lower your standard a little bit and you'll have a better life. Because he's saying here, strive for peace with everyone and... For the holiness, I love this translation because it really adds that extra to help, you know, expand the thought. The holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So, you know, we've brought this into, and then there's holiness movements, and I, I know them all, man. I've been to so many churches, apostolic movements, and and boy, they just grow on this thing, and big, huge holiness, that they seem to forget all the other ones. And they're really concerned about how you dress, and how you look, and how you walk, and how you talk. But deep, dark, you know, deep inside, there's a lot of darkness, a lot of nasty meanness and strife and back... And I'm, I always figure, how, how come you look... You know, you're, you're, you're pursuing this holiness that at the end of the day, you're just mean as a rattlesnake. Actually, meaner, because a rattlesnake usually will run away. So the word holiness is a word separation. And, and, and the, the word that... It illustrates the, the best way for you to to grab it in a way that is not non-attainable. Would be to understand what he means by that, and and what I, the way I've studied it, and I've heard it preached, and I've dug into it. The best this is just illustration. The best illustration I can come up with, and some of you might relate to it. Again, the X generation might relate to it. The boomers might relate to it. I relate to it because that was my life when I grew up in Mexico. There was a, a guy. He was the, every guy. He was a gardener. Then in the morning he would come in with the milk, big old tin cans or whatever can, and it's milk right out of the cow. I mean, sometimes it's like warm out of the cow. Well, you don't want to drink it like that because you're not a calf. So You might get sick. But you boil the milk, and something I don't. Know, I guess it's, it's just simply called cream in Spanish, it's called it nata. And that's like one of the most delicious things. So the cream rises up. If you know what I'm talking about, raise your hand. Thank you. (laughs) Yep, all the Xers, raise their hand. Thank you. And one millennial. Not just kidding. (laughs) And and you would save that. I mean, you would take it off and put it in a dish. It was like cream, and you would put it on bread and put sugar. Oh, yeah, making you all hungry, right? You just put it on a little piece of toast and just sprinkle a little bit of sugar on it, and you're good to go. Well, that is what holiness stands for. That's all it is. So we are in a boiling pot. And, we're, and God is working with us in this one mixture of life, but as He as He boils us, if I can use that as a term, guess what's happening? He begins to rise in us all the good things. He begins to rise in things all the parts that parallel His character. Every human has them, but sin has darkened those, and life has darkened those. You see, most people. I just so I don't think people are born evil. I might be wrong, but I don't think people are... I mean, a baby is a baby. What makes a baby become Putin or Hitler or somebody like that? You know, I don't know. But a baby is just a baby. But then influences come into that child from all forms and various... And then we begin... That child gets molded. But, you know, God is saying, I'm going to boil you in... Not in a, you know, like dad boil, but in this heat of the Holy Spirit. And by coming to church, you know, you walk out of here and say, you know, maybe today I'm not going to be rude. Guess what's happening? Something happened in the church where you you realize that maybe you can talk to your wife just a little tone down a little bit. Amen. Maybe the Holy Spirit's talking to somebody. Or ladies, maybe you cannot be such a. Pain. Y'all thought y'all off the hook, nobody. Preach it! I heard that. Turn that clock off. I love my church. I really do. I'm telling you, you guys are the funnest place to preach. I preach all over. This is, a, this is the only place I can let loose. I'm in New York, I'm like this. Because there are a lot of looking at you like... <laughs> People from New York, watch it's hard time. <laughs> so, this boiling process is just the influence of the word. That's all it is. So now you heard something, and guess what? You've become just a little tiny bit more holy than you were when you walked in. This morning. And if you maintain it and you keep working it, pretty soon it won't be a one-time thing. It won't be just, oh, I got inspired in church and I'm going to, oh, honey, how are you today? God, let me open the door for you. And tomorrow, I pass away the door. Yeah. How, how do we continue that? Well, you continue to grow it. So maybe you did it this week. You opened your, you know the door for your wife once or twice and you forgot about it. You got to be, ah, right? But you thought about it. So now you open it another time. And now you're becoming a nicer person. You're not a caveman anymore. God bless you. You know? And one little item in your life became holy. You see it? You might still have 10,000 items that are dark, but one of them has risen, has been boiled enough with the presence of God that you got it. Because church is really about getting it. You know, they say most people won't, won't get a truth unless they hear it seven times, spiritual speaking. So when you hear about, oh, I already preached that. well, I, I, I'm, not, I'm only like at five. I have to preach it two more times till you get it, right? But it is a truth. You've got to hear it and hear it. That's why it says faith comes by hearing. And the more you hear to walk in love, and the more you hear to respect your wife, the more you hear to honor your children, and the more to, to hear to be responsible with your bills, and the more you hear about taking care of your body, and the more you hear about all this stuff, you start becoming holy. Little by little, little by little, because the ultimate holiness will be when you see Jesus. And then you don't have to worry about it. So once again, he says, strive for peace. So let's break that one down. This is a good one. That's a hunting term. In South Texas, we know something it's called hunting. So the word "strife," if you break it down from the original Hebrew language, it is a hunting term. It wasn't, oh, I'm just looking for peace. No, you are on purpose. I mean, I'm not saying everybody here is a hunter. But, you know, those of you that like to hunt, you don't, I mean, other than John Turner that just kills him on the highway. John Turner said, I got a deer. I said, where, where'd you go hunting? Oh, I hit him on my truck. Okay, I don't know if that counts. Did you tag it? You know, I don't know. But most people, <laughs> most people, you get, you, you know, you dress up to look like a tree, and then you sit in a box where they can't even see you, so it doesn't even, you can dress pink polka dot, you're in a blind, hello, that's why they call it a blind. Anyway. So you got your camo on, you're on purpose. That's not enough, so you get some dough scent. Now you smell like a dough in heat. Are you? I mean, this is serious. And if you're out in the wood, you got paint all over you. And I mean, some of these guys take it really serious. What is it? That's called hunting. Hunting is something you do on purpose. Hunting is something you prepare for your day. You don't just walk out, ah, you know, in your Bermudas. I think I'm going to go hunting today. Imagine what, what would your day be tomorrow morning if you woke up. Before anything, you know, before you get your coffee or as you're having your coffee... Or as you're getting ready, you say, okay, Lord, today I'm going to hunt peace. Number one, you say, I've got to smell peace. Where's peace hiding? I'm going to rattle up some peace and walk into your world. And you know what? You're going to see how many opportunities you're going to have instantly to get out of peace. All the, no, wait a minute. All those opportunities were there already. You just hadn't notice them. You noticed them because your day is always full of commotion and strife and, ah, the kids are going to school, ah. You know, you get to work, you're a nervous wreck. What would happen if you say, today I'm going to pursue peace," And if that means raising the, you know, getting the, was raising the kids like from the dead, no. (laughs) Getting the kids ready 30 minutes earlier so you're not crazy, intensely rushed. Do you see how that's not spiritual, getting up early? That's called alarm clock, okay? Pastor, I came to church to get spiritual information. There's not more spiritual than what, than if you if you can't translate this into your home, this is pointless. All of this is pointless. If this doesn't go back to your house and to your marriage and to your children, pointless. Because Jesus came about real life. His whole thing was about real life. So right there, you know, if you make a decision to say I will pursue peace, boy, you know, again, coming from my our, the way our life was and all the strife that we dealt, this was a major issue. And I would try, and I would be like, okay. I'm going to be the peace guy. And then somebody would say something. Come on. Because, you know, wives, they know the combination. More than husbands. Husbands, we're just stupid. We just walk into it. The wives know all the... (laughs) (laughs) Watch you go off, right? (laughs) And that's when this stuff's going to get tested. You know all this stuff is not being tested this morning? Here? None of this stuff. You guys are peased, you're laughing, you're enjoying... You're acting like you like me. It's all cool. <laughs> but when it gets out in the real world, can you have peace with your boss? Can you have peace with that coworker that you just can't stand? That talks ugly about you. That's putting you in, in the li- wrong light. Can you have peace with these people? You want a big one? Can you have peace with yourself? Wow. That would be a start, right? To be able to wake up one morning and have just have absolute peace with ourselves, with our soul, with our thinking process. That'd be amazing, right? So strive is a hunting word. And he says, strive with peace with everyone and for holiness, which no one without no one will see the Lord. In other words, he's not saying you're not going to get to heaven. In other words, he's saying if you're not pursuing peace and you're not pursuing this lifestyle where things will become separated and come up, you're not really going to see what God can do. He's, this is not a going to heaven scripture because going to heaven is not dependent on this. Going to heaven is dependent on do you believe in Jesus? And there's another powerful scripture that says, anyone that calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You don't even have to go through, oh, Jesus, come to my heart. I mean, you could be dying and go, Jesus! According to that scripture, you're saved. I'm just saying, that's what the scripture says. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So let's not get hung up on our salvation. This is talking about seeing God where? Real life. That's what it's talking about. Do you see God in your workplace? Do you see God in your own life? Do you see God in your, your thinking process? Well, my God, you know, there's thoughts. Have you ever had like that crazy thought? They're like, whoa, where did that come from? That has nothing to do with personality. I mean, just wicked, dark. You're like, whew. Well, that's not your thought. Don't take it. You got to separate yourself from your thinking. You are not your thinking. That's another message for another time. Because thoughts come, man. (laughs) You got to find out which ones are God and which ones are not God. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. So he says, strive for peace. As long as you, you know, if I walk out tomorrow morning and say, I'm, I'm, you know, whatever happens, I'm not going to, you know, if there's not peace, I'm walking away from it. And I'm not going to cause. He tells you how you see God in an every. So to me, that scripture is an everyday life scripture. I've heard it preached about getting to heaven. I just don't agree with it. Anyway, give me another one, RJ. I've I, I got to cover two more. Back to our guy, Solomon. Ecclesiastes 7. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. And in the day of adversity, consider. Well, that's good. That's instructions, right? Okay, so when things are good, let's have fun. Nothing wrong with that. But when things are different, difficult, it doesn't say break down and die. It says consider. In other words, when things are good, enjoy it. There's no sin in enjoying. So That's why I'm saying Jesus' first miracle about keeping the party going. That's it. No other reason. Things are good. Enjoy it. But when adversity comes, it doesn't say get under a rock and hide and hope the storm blows over. It says consider. In other words, begin to think about what you're going through. And then he says simple statement: God has made the one as well as the other. Ooh, word people don't want to hear this one. But the same God that made the day that was amazing to you, was the same God that made the day that was horrible to you. Now, he didn't make it horrible. I'm just saying he made the same day. You get me? And guess what? There's going to be another day tomorrow. But here's the point of this. God has made the one as well as the other. And I got to thinking about the scripture because there are things that you learn in life that you can only learn. Listen to me, church. I'm talking as a Christian, as a believer, even as a pastor. There are only things that you will learn in life that are powerful spiritual and deep spiritual stuff that will absolutely change your life and the only place you're going to learn them is in the valley of the shadow. That's it. There are things you learn in pain. Something H said years ago, I mean, he'll remember saying it, but I'm talking gosh, 20 years ago he said it and just stayed with me together. I mean, he stayed with me, and I always think about this. He says, he said this, he said, pain is a good thing. I, said, I don't like pain. My back's been hurting. He says, because pain tells you there's something wrong. If there's a hot stove and you touch it, ah, hurt. You better thank God for that pain. Because if you didn't have it, you'd lose a whole hand. Because you would never feel the heat. And you just sit there, before you know your whole hand's done. I mean, it's a weird analogy, but in that context, pain told you, ow, I just burned the tip of my finger. But if pain hadn't been there, you would have burned your whole hand off. So is all challenges bad? No. I don't want to go through stuff. I mean, I go through a lot of stuff. I don't want to go through it. But once I'm there, I'm ready for it. Because I've already made this decision. In the day of prosperity, I'm going to be joyful. Woo, it's awesome. Everything, all the bills are paid. Everyone's healthy. Every, all the kids are behaving. Awesome. But then something comes into your house. What are you going to do? Fall down, bend down, cry, oh, God, throw my fist up to God? Or say, okay, I don't really care to go through this, but if I'm going to go through it, I'm going to learn some stuff. And boy, I'm telling you, some of, even in the recent history, I've learned some stuff. Radical stuff. I mean, radical in my thinking, that completely revolution. Some of the stuff that I've learned has been so radical in my belief system that I'm still trying to adjust my belief system to seeing what God is actually showing me. Isn't that weird? Because you create belief systems on what men tell you. I'm talking since my childhood. Remember, I, I didn't just walk into this. You know, since I, was, I was in Christian schools when I was a kid. And there was a lot of things that were taught wrong. And there was things that I learned even as a, as a pastor that now I, I have a complete different view on. I thought it was the truth. And sometimes it's painful to divorce yourself from those belief systems. But it's a good thing because you want to have that ability to say, okay, this is where man's taking me, but this is where God's taking me. I know I'm on another subject, but it kind of goes with the same thing, you know, because adversity is one of those places. Now, don't, don't walk out and say, I'm going for adversity, Pastor Bob, for those. No. Because guess what? If you're here and you've never had adversity in your life, you are more than welcome to take this pulpit right now, because I really need to hear what you've got to say. Anybody? No, because we've all gone through some stuff. Even young people. You can say, well, what about the kids? Kids go through stuff. I mean I mean maybe when you're like, you know, your first year, maybe three years, maybe you're not aware. But you know, everybody goes through adversity. But what does adversity do? It either it's either going to bury you or it's going to make you way stronger and smarter. Because guess one thing you learn in adversity? You learn what you did wrong, hopefully. <laughs> and what you did right to get out of it. So I'm not, I'm not, you know, first it was like, oh, no, let's, you know, no, no, I'm not, I'm not inviting it. But I will consider because God made it, you know, he didn't, he didn't make the adversity, but he made the day. And whatever comes in that day, I'm going to accept it. That's life That means, okay. Yes, it sucks, but, you know, we're here. Sorry, can you use that word in church? I just used it, so whatever. Um, I'm not going to, what, I mean, what am I supposed to do? Die? My life is horrible. you don't have a lot of options. You either go through it or you don't go through it. But if you're breathing, you're going to go through it. So let's go through it with God. Hey, because the Bible doesn't say you built a house in the valley. It says, even though I walk, say it, through. I wish there wasn't no valley through to go through, but I'll just go through it. Because I'm not going to stop and I'm going to build a house. I'm not staying in this dump down here in my horrible mess. I'm going to keep climbing, keep climbing, keep climbing until I get on top of this mountain. As long as it takes. Because God did not design me to live in the valley. He told me to go through it because I will learn some things, but he didn't tell me to live in it. See, perspective. Now I go on to my real life. Okay, I don't really care to go through this, but I'm not going to get under the covers and cry for 24 hours. I'm going to ask for wisdom from God, and I'm going to ask for wisdom in the natural. Get smart about it. What can I do about it? And then you throw everything you can at whatever that problem is that's in your hand. And whatever's outside of your hand of that problem goes to his hand. And that's the end of the discussion. Well, then, if he doesn't fix it, I don't really don't care at that point. Because I've done my part. And then whatever, he, whatever decision he makes with his part, it's his decision, and I'm not going to question it. Whatever the turnout is, whatever the final outcome of, of his move is, I'm not going to question it. There are some things that I thought should have gone different spiritually and ministerial speaking, but I don't question it anymore. Because God's ways are way better and smarter than my ways. Amen? Alright, so let me wrap this up. Wow, this clock left me so fast. Last one. And then I want to talk to you about a couple of things. Romans 14.8, it says, For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live, this is so simple, or whether we die, we are His. The Good News Bible says it this way. Devoting yourself to God in life is the way to live an honest and happy life. Listen to this. All the choices you make in your life should be made for His honor. If you can... I mean, that sounds so simple, right? But if you could really you know, start you know, this decision. I want to honor you, God. How do I process this problem? How do I process this strife? How do I process this conflict? I don't know, but I just want to honor you in this one. And the more you make those honorable decisions, guess what? Your life just kind of just begins to fall in. So that's my introduction. Praisingly, <laughs> it took you an hour to get through it. Go ahead and stand with me this morning. <coughs> I want to pray with you. And if this hit at any level in your life, you know, this is not the fixed magic prayer. You walk out of here, everything's amazing, but hopefully... My prayer this morning is that, that you see that God is about your everyday life. Let's really break this, to me it's just this weird, weird dynamic. We get to church, we become spiritual, we leave church, and we just act like God disappeared. And we, you know, and I'm saying we all do it. I, I have a tendency, you know, I want to run my business, and I think I should do this, and I should do that, and I should fix this. And, I should, and, then, if, and then sometimes everything just melts, and I have to back up and say, well, God, maybe I should... Have check with you first. So that's really where we are. If we live, you don't live for Faithway. You don't live for anything else. You live for Him. Amen? Father, we just thank You this morning. Father, we just thank You for this, where these teachings are going, because Father, I don't know, I can't speak for all of them, but I know I need to hear some of the things, I, even out of my own mouth. The Lord, You never created a life for us that was just supposed to be filled with depression and anxiety and strife that wasn't the life you gave us, God. So, Father, we repent. Well, I can't repent for them. I repent for, them. for the times that I've tried to do this on my own and thought I had a better idea than yours, even when I knew that you had told me to walk something out. So I pray right now for everyone hearing this message, whatever life circumstance, if you're going through something, don't, don't be shy about it. I'm not going to call you up. I don't need to know what it is. But if there's just something that is overwhelming right now, I want you to raise one hand to heaven. You, God, and only. The hand is just a point of contact. It doesn't make you more spiritual. I got my hand up. Because I got stuff in my life that is overwhelming. It's not bad, you know, because once it's overwhelming, it just really lands on his lap. That means, you know, your job is to not make it, or to make it not overwhelming to you. So, Father, right now, for every life situation that is presented in this church, for every hand that is raised, Father, some of us have said, I can't do this anymore. Some of us have said, I can't stay in this relationship anymore. Some of us have said some other things. Maybe you got a bad doctor's report. You say, oh my God, what am I going to do? Fear has come in. That's life. Does that mean you have to live with fear? No. So, so let me you know. Right now, I just want you to do one thing with me, and then I'm going to pray. Decide what's in your control regarding that. And then you do whatever you can do that's within your control, and then everything else that's outside of your control of that life situation that that you're presenting right now, then you're really going to have to find out, what did the Word say? I can't do that for you. And then stay on that Word, and by staying on the Word, you actually are handing it over to God. That's how you hand things to God. You don't just say, God, take my pain. You go to the Word. So right now, in the name of Jesus, every life situation that doesn't seem to be resolved, every life situation that just doesn't seem to be moving. It could have been self-inflicted. It could have been brought to you by somebody else. But at the end of the day, our God is bigger than that life situation. So I pray for every hand that is up, everyone watching me online that, that needs this. I believe that this morning, there's an anointing for breakthrough in this house. That Father, there are things because we see it. That we see it, that you are about our everyday life, not just about this moment in church. And we take... Everything we learn here and we apply it and we make a decision, God, regardless of life circumstances, we will pursue peace. If everything in our life is trying to suck the peace out of us, no. We pursue peace with all. We pursue holiness, God. We pursue the things in our life where we can be a little bit separated from the world in our thinking, in our speech, in how we deal with people. So I thank you right now, Father. I believe miracles are going forth as these hands are raised and their faith is up and their faith is on high, that, Father, this week, as they are lifing with you, as they are bringing you into their every, every day move, God, they will see that by the end of this week, that mountain that looks so big right now, I'm talking to somebody right now, that mountain that looks so big, I speak this over your life that by the end of the week, it won't be an hill. You won't even be able to recognize it. I speak that by faith into your life. In the name of Jesus. And if you believe that, say amen. Glory to God. Woo! Come on. Give the Lord praise this morning. God bless you. You may be seated. Oh, that was good. I'll tell you what. If if that prayer was for you and something, not something, I mean, you don't have to, but I would love to hear. You want to know what fuels pastors more than anything? Your testimony. That's what keeps us coming back. It really does. So you say, Pastor, you know, you prayed. And wow, you know, this happened, that, that would just bless my socks off, as they say. I don't know what that means, but it would. All right, I want to talk to you a couple of things, and then we'll I'll get you out of here. So, as you know, our, our Cuba trip is coming up really, really quick. And again, none of this should ever be forced. Um, Faith Exchange in New York, you know, we're, we're partnered up not by a document. We're partnered up by friendship. And everything we do, we try to, you know, we just do it. Okay, we're going to do this. We don't, we don't. We don't put... Mark, you know, Damian was there at the meeting. You know, he, he knows how. He sat with me and, and Saira and H. You know, with um, Dan and and and, they, and he gets it. And he's just a wonderful person, big vision. So at the end of the day, because again, we are in Hebronville; they're in Manhattan. A slight difference. Um, they have more resources. So usually, every project we do, they usually put more resources. That's fine, and and, and they're they're capable of it. So God bless them. Does that just mean we just? oh, I'll take care of it. No, I don't think that's fair. 'm you know, not about fair. I just think partnership is partnership. So, wh- again, what I said at the front end of the service, when I go anywhere, I never go in my name. I never go, oh, this is Kelvin Box ministry. That, Kelvin Box ministry, that's not even, that thing doesn't exist. There's no such a thing as Kelvin Box ministry. The only thing that exists is called faith. There's nothing else. I don't have a sub. I don't have a podcast. You know, Some people do. That's fine. I don't. This is it. So we do things. So as, as we're going on this project, we had a budget about $11,000, and those budgets... With Cuba, it's really difficult, because right now, their economy is in absolute freefall. You guys think it's hard up here? Huh. It's insane. Right now, they're up to 800% inflation. 800%. They're, I mean, you go today to Cuba, and you buy an egg for, let's say, a buck. Tomorrow, that same egg will cost $2. Just one day to the next, because there's no there's no price control. There's no nothing. That's, what, that's an economy in freefall. Just people, if you have it, you can price it however you want to. Because there's no goods, so if you have eggs, it's like gold, right? You can sell wherever you want to. So said all that, you know, it, it is a complicated mess down there. So on our budget, it can vary. Our budget orig- our, our, our budget that's still maintaining is eleven thousand dollars, of which, you know, you can give and play a couple, maybe fifteen hundred or so. Either way, of which uh, Faith Exchange has already sent. We, you know, this money has gone. It goes. It goes. Actually, I'm the one that coordinates everything, um, so I'm aware of all this has already gone to, to Yoel for the conference. They've already put seventy five hundred bucks. And we've raised some money, you know, people have been giving, and I haven't really like broken it down. I think last week I kind of checked and we had raised about a thousand bucks. Now when I say raise and and this again, I've already paid for my tickets, I've already paid for my lodging. So none of this money goes to that. You okay with that? Well when are you doing that? Okay, I already did my part. <laughs> and a lot more, trust me. But that's where we're at. And I invite you to, you know, to partner up with us. So I just want to share a scripture. If you can put that up, um, RJ, um, Third John 1, 6 through 8. It was, it was on the same outline. I want to give you two scriptures, and I'll get you out of here regarding why we do what we do. So the only thing I'm asking for Cuba is pray about it. You know, I, I want to believe God that within two weeks I can raise $5,000 over and above operating budgets, you know, because we still got a church to run and, you know, everything we do here. So, you know, if this is in your heart, if you have a capacity, you know, and I know some of you, you know, I always said I was gonna send a text out to two or three people that really have cube on their heart and say, you know what, I, I, I kind of eh and I decide not to. I said, you know what, I'm just gonna present it, and then the Holy Spirit will have to figure it out. I'm not gonna I, I don't I don't stress over this stuff by any way, you know. God and I have this agreement on missions. If it's there, I'll do it, and I'm fine with it. Well, what happens if it's not there? Well I'll still go and do what I gotta do with what I got. I'm not I already got a ticket, it. it's not like I'm not gonna go. But my point is God has called us. And I want to show you scriptures that refer to what we do, what we do. Because, a lot, you know, if you're newer to the church, you know, people get really, you know, you hear a good man. Oh, the message is so good. I learned how to run my life. Oh, he's freaking up the offering. <laughs> really? Come on, guys. If you don't trust this church with your money, what are you doing here this morning? If you don't trust us with your resources, why are we even here? So said that, let me tell you what the Bible says. John 1, 3rd John, um, it's one chapter. And he's closing his letter. And he says, they have shared publicly with the congregation about the beautiful acts of love. You have shown them. Now he's talking to his friend Gaius. But he's talking about his church and everything. So he's kind of saying goodbye. But listen to some of these key words. Now, if you would be so kind. Now this is me talking to my church. Send them on their way with a generous gift. In other words, send us to Cuba with a generous gift. Not for us, for our Cuban family. Because, you know, the budget, by the way, is not just pay for the bills. We go down and we give cash money to pastors. I mean, we, I put every time I go, every, every leader, you know, and I don't go and make a meeting. I just, if I have it, I'm giving them money. Because you don't understand how hard it is. $100 down there is huge. I mean, it, it, it will change somebody's life. You know, it's just such a big, the situation's so complicated. So, anyway. Send them with a generous gift in a manner that would honor God. You see, we talked about honor. We talked about God honoring us. And so so even our giving has a a sense of honor, not a sense of amount. Because sometimes people get bogged down on the amount. I said an amount. We need 5,000 bucks. Okay. The the honor has no price. You see, one person could honor God with the 5,000. There it is, Pastor. Other person could honor God with a buck. You see that? Because it doesn't really come from anywhere else except right here. Because everyone knows where you're at. And it's not my business. That's your business. That's your money. I don't, you know, your business. But the honor is the key here. So he says, in a manner that would honor God, you see, it was their passion for the glory of the name of Christ that launched them out. You know, I I think our church is kind of like that. Somebody says, what are you doing in Cuba? I don't know. I guess that. (laughs) You know, our passion for the glory. I don't know what else we're doing. You know, has launched them out and they have not accepted and have not accepted financial support from unbelievers. Now, that's not me. If some heathen wants to drop some money, God bless you. you know? But my point is they were really committed to their work, and they said, you know what? We're going to do this with the support of the church. So, so, so supporting, missions, supporting missionaries is not a new thing. So when a church talks about money, don't get all offended and upset. The Bible is full of talking about money. All over the Bible. I mean, from the Old Testament and the New Testament has lots of references. Some people say, well, tithing's not in the New Testament. I agree, it's not. And that's between you and the Lord. I'm not even going to touch that. I believe, it's something I believe because of the Abrahamic covenant. But if you're one of those New Testament, fine, God bless you. But it does not exempt you from being generous. The New Testament does not talk about tithing. Let me clear that up. There's not one reference here. I mean, Jesus makes some, but he's still speaking Old Testament, right? I'm talking after death and resurrection, there's not one reference to tithing. But does that eliminate generosity? Because the New Testament is full of generosity. It is more blessed to give. Right? I mean, that's, that's a foundation of Jesus Christ. He said, Jesus in his own words said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So generosity, and Jesus talked about a lot, so let me just, let me finish down. Has launched them out. They have not accepted financial support from believers. They are deserving all of the support we can give them because through our giving, we can partner them Partner with them for the truth. So, you know, this is I'm not using this to try to sell you a pitch. I'm just saying this is what the Bible says. But the truth here is really about honor. Do you believe Faithway is supposed to be in Cuba? If you don't, don't give. But if you believe Faithway is doing something significant in that nation, then you are going to be challenged to be generous. I I don't know how else to put it. And it's not some generosity that I'm saying, okay, how many give 100? We're not going to play that game here. We've never played that game here. It's a generosity that's completely dependent on how good God has been to you. Right? It's reflective. Give me the next one and then we'll be done. I, just, I pulled two out just to show you. Proverbs 21, our great guy, right? Again, Solomon once again said, Taking the easy way out is the habit of a lazy man, and it will be his downfall. All day long he thinks about all the things that he craves. For he hasn't learned the secret, you ready? Everybody say, the secret. <laughs> that a generous man has learned... You know what the secret of a generous man has learned? That extravagant giving never leads to poverty. You see, this is how it works. You're, you're, you love Jesus and say, we're going to pick up an offering for Cuba, and your spirit goes, whoa, just give them all of that. And, and, and then you're literally, whoa, don't be stupid, you know. So, okay, okay, I'm going to give 500 to Cuba, and then the little boy says, yeah, but you know. Okay, 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 400. Do you think I've got to pay this? Okay, okay. And before you know it, you, know, you went from 500 to 5. Not because you weren't willing. It's because you let another voice convince you that if you give, you will become poor. That's what it is. The only reason people don't are not generous is because there is this little seed that has been planted since the days of Adam that we are supposed to be in lack. And if I have 10 bucks and I give you 10 bucks, I'm going to be broke. The truth is, if God tells me to give you 10 bucks and I give you 10 bucks, I am not going to go broke. There is no version of me going broke because of this. not only this scripture, all through the Bible. Give, guess what happens? And it shall be given. I didn't write that. Jesus wrote that. That's not even in the Acts or Corinthians. Jesus said, give and it shall be given. And then he makes a little fun statement. He says, the way I give it back to you, so, so so Jesus says I give you, you know, this, and it, and He gives it back to you, but then He gives it back to you pressed down, shaken. He multiplies it, because according to the measure that you give, it will. He didn't say it might. He said it will be given back to you. So if I say okay, Lord, I'm going to give you una tapita. Mexico, we used to buy pumpkin seeds and tapitas, little tins, $20. So I'm going to give you, hope I don't make a mess. Well, our carpet's already a mess. So I give you this. He's going to take this. He's going to shake it down. He's going to press it down. And he's going to give it to me. Running over. You just made a mess, Pastor Bob. Yeah, but I'm picking up an offering. Stand to your feet. I'm done. (laughs) It was good today, right? It was good service. It's good to see you guys. It's so good when the church, you know, you guys show up and inspires me to preach better, you see? Let's pray and I'll get you out of here. So you guys know what to do. The instructions are on the screen. Thank you guys for the support. Thank you guys. Cuba is really, I mean, I don't even want to talk about it. There's so much going on. I talk to Yoel at least once a week and we do need to be down there. Father, we thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir, for this church. Thank you for a people that most people would consider non-effective to move money to change nations. But you of all the places, Lord, you picked Evermill to change nations. You picked a little community of hard-working people to influence a communist nation, to go to the Ukraine, to go to Navajo Nation. Father, only you can come up with these amazing things. So, Father, I bless everyone this morning that is it, that committed to the Cuba vision. But, Father, I'm also blessing those that are committed to the Faithway vision locally, that this church is here to be a light to this community, to be a blessing to to help these kids out, Father, to help the young people out. That is just as important as anything else we do, Father. So I thank you for every seed that is being sown and every heart that has been challenged this morning to, to grow up and to be bigger. And I give you praise this morning. Come on, just give them a little bit of praise in your heart. Father, we just thank you that this morning has been so rich, so full. And Father, I call everyone in this room blessed. I call everyone in this room healed. And Father, till I see him again, I declare that the peace of God that passes All our thinking will be with them wherever they go. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed.